Welcome back to the History of the Barbarians podcast, season one, episode number three, titled Crisis of the Third Century, part one. My name is Josh Hirschman, and we are going to be looking into the Goths' growing sense of community and power in the Black Sea region and early interactions with the Romans during the latter's crisis of the third century. The last we left off in our story, the Roman general-slash-senator Decius was tasked with stopping the Gothic incursions across the Danube into the Roman province of Moesia. He and or his men decided to overthrow the emperor, Philip the Arab, before they do anything about the Goths. The Goths, who seemed to have abided to their federati-like agreement for several years, or at least since 238, until the Romans stopped paying this tribute. The Romans probably stopped paying in 248 because they just defeated the neighboring Carpi in modern-day Western Romania, Eastern Hungary, uh, and the Roman province of Dacia, uh, just at the beginning of 248. The Carpi were the bigger threat to Roman lands at this time, and it was easier just to pay the Goths off back in 238 and buy their peace while the Romans were dealing with other issues, including the Carpi. But now that the Carpi were defeated in early 248, the Romans felt that they could take on the Goths and therefore did not need to pay them anymore. But Decius was overthrowing Philip and was in Italy dealing with Philip. So in the 248-249, we have the Goths running around under Ostrogotha, who is the king of the Goths at this time. And around 250, he dies, and King Caniva wrangles control of the Goths and begins to raid different parts of the area. I'll have some maps of the area on uh, Facebook to give everyone a, a, frame of, uh, a frame of reference for what is going on and where things are happening at. The barbarian army was made up of primarily Goths under Caniva, uh, obviously, but they also included some Carpi, Basterne, and the Tafelia, other Germanic groups, and a branch of the Vandals called the Hastingian. And there are even some reports of deserting Roman soldiers in this Gothic army under Caniva uh, that ran away from their legions. Which, this is interesting for several reasons, because it's always going to be intriguing when an all-powerful empire loses some of its members to the upstart underdog forces, uh, and it can make a real statement for life in the empire. And in particular, it says a lot about life in the legions. Soldiers at this time in the Roman army had to serve long enlistments under difficult and dangerous conditions, which could lead its members to look for better opportunities, including in the arms of the enemy barbarian hordes, which this collection of people certainly goes along with the breaking of the stereotype of the barbarian horde that we discussed earlier in our series. Goths certainly were predominant, but included in this were many other groups and making this by no means only. So this Gothic army is raiding lands and towns in Thrace, Moesia, and Greece, including sacking the town of Nicopolis in Western Greece, which is near where Octavian defeated Mark Antony way back at the Battle of Actium uh, in 38 BCE for you Roman historian lovers. Additionally, during this time, we have some details provided by an Athenian writer named Dexippus, 
where he writes that a portion of the Goths attacked the town of Thessalonica, but failed to capture it as they had many high walls and valiant defenders. And this group of Goths then turned southward towards Athens to try their luck with that Greek city. According to Dexippus, a Greek general named Marianus decided to try to stop the Goths at a narrow passage named Thermopylae. Yes, that Thermopylae. The same one we all know and love from our Spartan history class. And this apparently is a solid place to try to stop invaders. Marianus assembles a fairly ragtag bunch of fighters uh, as the men arm themselves with short wooden spears, farming tools, some axes they could find, spears with bronze or iron tips that they could fashion to them, anything else they could use to fight. And we're not too sure about many of the details of this battle, but we can assume that the Greeks were able to turn back the Goths enough because there were no reported attacks on the city of Athens during this time uh, and well into the 250s, which we'll see in later episodes is going to be a very active time for the Goths and raids. So now remember, the Goths are running around basically unopposed because Decius went to Italy with the army that was supposed to oppose the Goths and protect the Danubian frontier. So the Goths are able to split up their forces and attack these different towns. And this is going to be a theme that we'll see in the next decade, which will be in later episodes. And additionally, later on in our Gothic story, where we don't just have one massive Gothic army running around, but we'd actually have several smaller entities that would could and would make up a larger army when needed. But many times they'd be smaller, even based off of clans, uh, and would attack smaller towns and would combine for bigger battles or bigger towns. So, in 250 CE, the Goths are rampaging through portions of the Eastern Empire, including parts of Thrace, Greece, and Moesia, and the former Roman senator general, and now Roman emperor Decius, moves his army towards the Goths from Italy after he disposes of Philip the Arab. So Decius moves towards the Goths and tries to force them to lift the siege of a town called Philippopolis, which is in modern-day Bulgaria. Decius moves towards the Goths and tries to force them to lift a siege of the town of Philippopolis, which is in modern-day Bulgaria. Decius, who thought that the Goths were only interested in plundering and running away, pursues these Goths as they move away from Philippopolis. The Goths, in all actuality, were preparing for an engagement and defeated this Roman army, led by this newly appointed Emperor Decius, at the Battle of Beroa. So the Romans, when they were defeated, moved back to some forts in the mountains nearby, and the Goths went and laid siege to Philippopolis, which... We'd like to point out that this is a very important city to Thrace and what would be modern-day Bulgaria uh, at this time. And the, the Goths are able to plunder the city of Philippopolis while the Romans are trying to bring back their army, get reinforcements, resupply, and refit themselves. And the Goths, including in their plunder, was someone named Priscus who was the older brother of the former and now dead Emperor Philip the Arab. Priscus is actually 
a very interesting character to look into in Roman history that uh, a couple other podcasts like History of Rome has gone into before. So if you're interested in that, you should check out the History of Rome podcast because uh, Priscus plays a little bit of a role uh, in that podcast that includes Philip the Arab. Now, the Goths then manipulate the relationship of Priscus to the former Emperor Philip to take the title of Emperor and sign a peace treaty with the Goths. So, which I love the political savvy the Goths display here in Geneva in general. I love the political savvy that the Goths display here. This actually shows quite a bit of historical knowledge of the politics and intrigue that the Romans had used on themselves for centuries. But the political success of this situation is only fleeting as Priscus appears to basically disappear from the record uh, without mention after these events. But nice try, Geneva. Now, Decius had recovered from his defeat and began to organize a blocking maneuver against the Goths along the Danube. He set forts all along the river areas that could have served as escape routes for the Goths to go back north of the Danube to their actual homeland. The Goths, having suffered significant losses during the siege of Philopolis, really only wanted to get back north of the Danube to their homes and to safety and sent peace emissaries to Decius who declined them, thinking that he had the Goths basically blocked and stuck. The Goths were blocked by the Romans who could not find a way north to their homelands above the Danube, and the two sides eventually are going to meet in battle as the, as the Goths try to escape. And they meet in a battle near the town of Forum Triboni. It's called the Battle of Abritus in the summer of 251 CE. The battle took place near modern-day Razgrad, Bulgaria, just south of the Danube River. The battle was marked by the location of the battlefield as being chosen for its train by the Goths, which we all know, and Decius should have known, you do not let your enemy choose the battleground. Caniva, using his choice of location to his advantage, divided his army into three separate portions and dispersed them amongst the beneficial train, including a swamp area that was utilized as a defensive feature for the Goths. So from the Battle of Britus, we get the famous story, probably apocryphal, about Decius. And his son, Henricus Etruscus, was also the co-emperor at the time and serving at the battle under his father. He was supposedly shot and killed with an arrow in the swamp early in the battle. And when Decius was informed of this, he proclaimed, Let no one mourn. The death of one soldier is not a great loss to the Republic. Which, this is, again, probably apocryphal and not true. But it makes for a nice story. And I do appreciate stories that, even if they aren't true, uh, show people in history getting after it a little bit. All right, so moving on. The Romans pushed the Goths into the swamp that we were just talking about as they were routing them. Now, the Goths then ambushed the Romans, showing that it was actually a faux retreat, and pushed their reserves into the fight to turn the tide of the battle. The massacre that ensued ensured Rome's defeat, and Decius and his son, Henricus's bodies, are said to have been lost in the mud of the swamps at the battle and never to be found. So in this battle, Decius and his son were killed, and the Goths and their allies were able to escape. So the impact of this defeat of the Romans, and most importantly, the death of their emperor in battle cannot be understated. Roman emperors had never died in battle, 
and this would not happen again until over 100 years later at the Battle of Adrianople at the hands of, that's right, the Goths, which we'll get to that later on. The results of the Battle of Britus were serious for the Romans, though. The newest emperor, Trebonius Gallus, who, who saved the army at the Battle of Britus, set up a blocking motion similar to what Decius was forcing the Goths uh, earlier into areas of the empire that had already been plundered. And this put pressure on the Goths as they were not able to cross the Danube to safety, nor were they able to lock down another battle with a greatly outmatched surviving Roman army. So the vast amount of booty and slaves that the Goths had in their wagon train slowed them down greatly. Additionally, the blocking maneuver employed by the Romans put a strain on the supplies of the Goth as they needed new Roman lands to plunder for supplies. But they were stuck in areas that they had already plundered really for years on end. To make matters worse for everyone, a plague broke out throughout the empire. To make matters worse... A plague broke out that further depletes Gothic resources, but also imperial resources. And this was the plague of Cyprium that would eventually kill millions across the empire from 249 CE to around 270 CE. There is some debate about the nature of the plague, but it was probably influenza, flu, or smallpox. Additionally, throughout the border areas of the empire, there were active or near-active threats by other groups that the Romans could not ignore. Gallus, for his part, did not see the wisdom in trying to raise another army to drive the Goths out, with so many other threats happening at the outskirts of the kingdom. So with all this going on, Gallus decided to consolidate his power and pay the Goths a yearly sum of gold to leave Rome alone for the near future. The Goths got to keep their booty, that they stole from the Romans and returned home north of the Danube, and all were happy. All were happy for about two years, when the Roman governor of Moesia stopped paying the yearly tribute to the Goths. So the Goths, once again, pissed about this breaking of the treaty, enter into Roman lands and begin to plunder. Again, a guy named Emilianus took his Danubian legions north of the Danube into Gothic territory and defeated the Goths. To celebrate his victory, Emilianus decides that he should now be the emperor, not Gallus. So he marched his army to Italy to face off with Gallus. Gallus was defeated and killed in an engagement just north of Rome later in the year. So just to review here, in 238, 248, there was trouble with the Goths and their payments, and the Goths attacked Roman lands, which led to a rebellion in the latter that removed the army defending the, against the Goths to Italy. So in 253, there was another problem with the payment to the Goths, which led to fighting with the Goths, which leads to another Roman rebellion, and yes, which leads to another withdrawal of the army that is supposed to defend the empire from the Goths. So Emilianus is going to get his position as emperor of Rome, but he has opened up the floodgates for the Goths once again, and the 250s will turn into a devastating period for the eastern portion of the Roman Empire as the Goths run roughshod over this area like they had never done before. So Emilianus is going to get his position as emperor of Rome, but he has opened up the floodgates for the Goths once again 
and the 250s will turn into a devastating period for the eastern portion of the Roman Empire, as the Goths are going to run roughshod over this area once again. So the Battle of Britus and its aftermath is a good place to stop for this episode. Uh, but before we go, we should do a status check on our Goths. So in our Gothic story, the Goths are essentially one combined force of many different entities and groups of people uh, within their uh, armies. The year is 253 CE. They just spent parts of the last decade and a half raiding into Roman lands and allied with Rome at times. So sometimes living peacefully beside the Romans north of the Danube in the Pontic Steppe region of modern-day Romania, Moldova, Ukraine. But sometimes they're fighting and devastating the Romans, like at the Battle of Britus, where the first emperor of Rome ever, Decius, is killed in battle. Two Roman emperors die in the battle, actually, if you want to get technical, because of Hermeticus being Decius' son and co-emperor. But the Goths and Romans just come to an agreement where the Goths are able to go back home, take your booty, take your slaves, go back to the Pontic Steppe, and don't attack Roman lands. And if you do that, the Romans are going to pay them a yearly payment. The Romans dutifully follow this agreement for two years, deciding in 253 to stop payments again. And we know where this is going to lead. So that is where we'll pick up next time. The materials that we use for information this week's show include The Goss by Peter Heather, The History of the Goss by Michael Kulikowski, and History of the Goss by Herwig Wolfram. So please leave a review if you like the show. The good ones help other people find it, so please help us out. Leave a four or five star review. Subscribe if you're interested in following along on this journey with me. Any suggestions, support, or critiques uh, you want to throw at me, let me know on Twitter at History of the Barbarians or send an email to historyofthebarbarians at gmail.com. Also check us out on Facebook page, History of the Barbarians, and we've got some maps and resources uh, for our story, and uh, you can leave some feedback. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.